Okay, everyone, welcome back to another Chai Nefeshir. This is the second shir in the serum uh, in the series as we continue to enter the world, the amazing world of Rev Gedalia Kenigzatzal, one of the great Breslaver Hasid and one of the leaders of the previous generation, who was one of the main Talmidim of Rev Ivan Steinhardt, who's the great great grandson of Rev Nussenzal. And what we've been learning here is to catch everyone up is that we're learning about his kashras to the tzaddik, to the tzaddikim. And why is that not considered a bodhisattva? And is it classical Judaism? And what we've been learning is, is Rav Gedalia Kenig's been explaining as we enter his amazing world. He's been explaining that chaval, that people don't connect to Rav Chaim Velazhin and the Nefesh Chaim. And they say, oh, look, it's miskatrigan, the idea of the tzaddik, and therefore they don't want to learn it. And they say, oh, that's for Litvaks. Oh, I don't learn those types of svarim. These svarim, oh, they're not really for me. So he says, there's a great loss that comes out because these are foundations of Amuna. And he says, on the other hand, chaval, that people don't learn Kisvei Breslov and they don't learn the ways of the Hasidim of Iskashos and Tzadikim because they hold svarim like the Nefesh Chaim. They hold it up and they say, look, you see, this is Mkatrig on the idea. They say, look, a... Uh, it's Makatrig on the idea of a tzaddik. And you see you're connecting to tzaddikim. That's a bodhisattva. That's something weird. It's a newfangled thing. It's not classical Judaism. So he says that both sides actually lose out. And in the amazing world of Rugadalia Kanig, he brings them both together. He says, we're not going to go like this. We're not going to say like that. We're going to take the middle road. We're going to show how in the foundations of Amuna, there's no real contradiction. There's no stira. In the foundations of Amun of our holy Torah, of course, everyone believes in connecting to Talmud HaChachamim, connecting to great tzaddikim, and there is no contradiction in this part. And that's why he named his Sefer, Chai Nefesh, on the words Nefesh HaChayim. The Nefesh HaChayim, uh, that he says that that people are using it in an inappropriate way, and they're learning it in a way that's not to men, not meant to be learned. So he called his country Chai Nefesh, right? The living soul, enlivening the soul. It's not exactly easy for me to translate Chai Nefesh, the, the life of the soul, the living soul, and to talk about the idea of his kashas to tzaddikim and to show from the Nefesh Chaim itself that we need to go through it with a fine comb and really understand. And after I gave the first shear, it really had dawned upon me about how many people actually reached out to me and they're like, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, his kashras tzaddikim, like, yeah, like, where does that come from? What's up with that? And is that classical Judaism? So I got a good response after the first shear. So I'm happy to be doing the second round of shear right now. And this week, we're going to continue furthering the question that he asked before we get to an answer. We're going to see from the Nefesh Achayim directly inside from the text of the Nefesh Chaim, which Rav Gedalia can quotes. And we're also going to learn from Sefer Daniel. I love Sefer Daniel. Uh, we're going to learn from Sefer Daniel because the Nefesh Chaim brings different proofs from Sefer Daniel. And when you learn the text inside and you see it kind of from beginning to end, it opens it up. So without any further ado, we're going to jump right in. And again, this is entering the world of Rav Gedalia Kenig. Ba'emes agid l'cha'ovi chavivi. And the truth is, is that I'm going to tell you, my beloved, my loved, O de I will not be embarrassed. 
Because at the time that they showed me this Sefer, it was approximately around 14 years ago, I mean 17 years ago, the ace maise hosifu ma'atzman divrei lagavus. At the time, al derech achasidat l'klal. At the time, then it was shown to me. People danced with this. They 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 showed me the nefesh chaim. They made fun of it. They made fun of it. As hergashti benefe benafshi kemot svita belibi utzmameret achasana achastani. Right, but then I felt a pinch in my heart. I felt like a heart murmur, almost, and it it. it Caused me to flinch. But I hid my silence and I didn't know in my soul where am I going to run to? Right? If not for the words of my father that grabbed me, that I remembered at that time, uh, oh, and not only the words of my father, but the words of my Rebbe, Rav Avraham Steinhardt, uh, who's also known as the Kochav Lev, right? Steinhardt is Kochav Lev in modern Hebrew. So then I wasn't as disturbed. So then that motivated me, and I felt in strength to use my wisdom and my toil in Torah in order to find to, to find a way back and to see how the Sefer Nefesh Chaim is not being makatrig on the ideas of tzaddikim. And again, this is just so beautiful. You see Rav Gedalia Kenig, such a sensitive soul, such a poetic soul, as he's explaining all this. And I open and I dive into Hashem from the walls of my heart, that Hashem should open my heart. And I asked Hashem to illuminate my eyes from of the Torah of Ragon Rabchaim Velajim. To understand its intent in its truth. Days and weeks, I didn't have respite in my soul. And I lost sleep over this. And not one single night did my thoughts and my laying and my sleeping weren't disturbed. Meaning to say he felt deeply embattled. It's like amazing hearing his process. Like, how much does something really bother us? <laughs> how much are we bothered by anything really in life where we lose sleep and we put all our heart's desires on figuring out? And I was walking around my house this way and that way. I was pacing around my house. Like a person who was completely bound trying to free themselves from the shackles and ropes. I picture like Houdini trying to free himself from a trick. Until Hashem helped me with his amazing compassion. And Hashem opened up my eyes to this, the entire parak and the nefesh And every word 
Kol Teva the Teva Midvar Hakadoshim, right? Not every single word he showed me from Rechaim Velashon's holy mouth. He didn't just show me just a broad answer. He showed me specifically. So he's describing a relevatory process Rav Gedalia Kenning had while he was working so hard on coming up. Hashem opened up his eyes and sent him this Ruach HaKodesh, sent him this revelatory process, this revelatory information on this. Upitum oro enai. And my elu- my eyes became illuminated. And I found hope in my heart. I found a way uh, that's true meanings. And then I felt a little bit of Rav Yitzchak says in the Gemara Megillah Vav Amabez Yagati Umatsatsi Tamim. I toiled and I found then you believe him. The person says, I worked really hard and I found an answer. You believe him. He says, I didn't work, but I found an answer. I'll come and you don't believe him. And I had happiness that had no end. Because I was so happy, I had tears of joy. And I gave thanks to Hashem on the amazing chesed that Hashem had granted me with His great compassion. And my eyes were opened up and I was able to explain everything that the Nefesh HaChaim was saying. To remove the stumbling block from our holy nation. Yisrael Am Kadosh, Yisrael, our holy nation. That in our holy nation, no hate, no sin, no blemish is even shy to Klan Yisrael. Like we explain over there, that Rabbi Nachman explains in the second Chelech, that no sin is found, and that's the heavy burden of Am Yisrael is our, is our Averus, and that we have. Mamish, if you look in the deep, is no Averis. I and Sham. Ukoor Boker Yisrach Amarti Peshert Varm Elu Lechaver Amakirai. And in the morning, I got this answer. Tamir Chachamim Yer Mushleim Vesamchu Gamheim Vamrukin Nikarm Dever Emes. And Rev Gedalia explains that he had this amazing revelatory process, this process of, of Ruach HaKodesh. And he told his friends, and they also said, Yep, your words are true. Right, and I was zocha to clarify these words, the words of the tzaddik of Rav Chaim Velazhin. Right, and what I I gave thanks to Hashem to see that the entire machlokis between the Hasidim and the Masnagim, between the world of the Vilna Gon and Rechaim Velazhin, and between the world of the Baal Shem Tov and Rebbe Nachman, all of it is just one big Yetzirah. It's the Maisa Baldavar, he explains, that is just dancing and happy that, uh, that there's a split in the world of the Gra, 
in the world of Rechaim Velazhin, and in the world of the Baal Shem Tov, in the world of Rabbi Nachman, in the world of Tzadikim. And here, Rabbi Gedalia Kenig has his revelatory moment, his moment where Hashem, he worked so hard, and Hashem illuminated his eyes. And we see a glimpse how happy Rabbi Gedalia Kenig was that he found the Pesher, that he found this middle road in order to bring them back into the camp, in order to show that there's no stira between the Misnagdim and the Chassidim. There's no stira between the world of the Baal Shem Tov and Rabbi Nachman, the world of the Vilna Gon and Rabbi Chaim Velazhin. Just amazing. Imagine, imagine Rabbi Gedalia Kenig, just how he looked at life, and that to show that there's no Avon on Am Yisrael at all. And now I'm standing in front of Hashem. And I'm asking Hashem for His help that He should support me. That Hashem should help me. Hashem should help me write this. Without any mistakes. That Hashem should help me write down these words in clarity. Because the things that I'm going to answer, the things that I'm answering, and the things that I'm touching are very, very subtle points that stand on the top of the world. And in the name of all the in the of all the true tzaddikim, from their words we live, and from them we get strength for eternity. And we delight and we follow their words. We take their holy words seriously. I hope to uphold the worlds of tzaddikim in the eyes of everyone. And in the schus of all these tzaddikim, and Hashem should protect us. And Hashem should open up our eyes quickly to fill our cup with bracha to Yisrael, Boor Hashalom Ha'Elyon Amiti Ba'emes, with the light of peace, the exalted light of peace, Amen Netzach Selavaed. It's it's just as I read it, it's just so poetic, and they're so flowery, and you see how happy he was. How again, how happy he was, and again, before we continue, Viter, it's important to say that. These are very, very subtle things, as he's saying. There's such subtleties when you talk about subtleties. And with subtleties, require subtleties. And certainly, if Rev. Gedalia Kenig asks Hashem for help, that he should clarify these worlds with subtleties, certainly I need to, that certainly any mistake here and any of these subtleties and any of these deep things, any mistake in translation or explanation is certainly, is certainly a fault of me. Certainly my fault, my lack of clarity, my lack of understanding. But hopefully with the help of Rav Gedalia Kenig and how he laid everything out here in the Chayin Nefesh, we could come to greater clarity and further understanding. Okay, we, we're going to move forward. And 
Hashem should give us help to understand these things and explain them. And I see, I saw it fitting that I'm going to be ma'arich in the nefer, in the sefer nefesh hachaim. Because it's in, it's relevant to us. And through this, I'm going to explain the original question that we started with about why is the skashos tzaddikim not avodazar. And afterwards, we'll explain these words with clarity. Right? So then, first, we're going to bring the Nefesh Chaim. Then, he said, he outlines the Sefer, the contrast now. We're going to bring the words of Nefesh Chaim. We're going to explain why it's not a problem. Then, we're going to talk in general about the idea, excuse me, about the idea of Iskashos to Tzadikim and the obligation that we have to connect to true Talmud and Chachamim, and specifically at the time of davening, according to the true words of Rabbeinu, like Rabbi Nachman explains, and through this process, Amir Hashem, we will explain all the doubt and the kilkul that has been caused. Specifically at the time of Tefillah, as Rabbi Nachman explains, we're going to see more about this in depth as we continue to learn. That Rabbi Nachman said, held that you need to makash yourself to a tzaddik at the time of Tefillah. That you bring your Tefillah's derech, the tzaddik. As many people say, hareni makasher atzmi. I'm connecting myself with Tfilasi with my Tfilah. Many people say that. The rest of our Hasidim say that before davening to connect themselves, as we're going to learn. But I be makash yourself to a tzaddik is no stira at all. It's not a stira at all. So before we jump into the Nefesh Achayim, we're going to take a little bit of a detour now. And what we're going to go, we're going to hop on over to Sefer Daniel, Perik Beis. Now, we're not going to learn the entire Perik inside. It's actually a very long Perik. It's an amazing Perik. It's a wondrous Perik. If you want to hear the whole Perik inside, you could go to my SoundCloud uh, at Nach Daily. Go to SoundCloud, type in Nach Daily. Then go to Daniel, Perik Beis. And where I cover the whole Perik in depth, uh, five in a class in depth. It's an amazing, it's one of the amazing Navuas about La Asad Lavo. And we're going to go through the Roche Prakim of the Perik just to kind of set the stage. We're going to do it in English because Sefer Daniel was written in Aramaic. And then we're going to really hone in on a few Psukim over here. So we're going to learn the Perik at the end inside more. So, first, uh, again, we're going to recap the parak a little bit just outside just to set the stage so essentially like this Nebuchadnezzar was the king it was the, it was in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign which was actually uh brings from the Malbim and Rasad and Rasad Yagon that that was 11 years after uh Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the base Amigash 
So a, uh, basically, he had this dream. Okay, Luchanetzer had this dream, and it was it was a very disturbing dream. It, in the beginning, it doesn't go into what the dream is. Later, it says the dream when Daniel interprets the dream. Then it says what the dream is. Then we get to learn what it is. But in the beginning, Luchanetzer had this cryptic dream, and he called. He was very very disturbed by this dream. He called all the stargazers and all his uh, people that can dream interpreters and everyone. And he said, I have a dream and I'm anxious to know what it was I dreamed. Right. So not only I'm just reading a little bit from here from the Arya Kaplan translation. Right. So he says, not only did Nebuchadnezzar have a dream and he wanted to know the interpretation of the dream, but he went to his stargazers and he said, I had a dream. Tell me what the dream is. Means he had the audacity to not even tell the stargazers what the dream was. So he wanted the people to tell him not only interpret the dream, but what is the dream. So they basically all said back to him very respectfully, long live the king. If you tell us your dream, we'll tell you what the meaning is. So he got so upset about this. And he said, listen, if you don't tell me what it is, then I'm going to basically kill all of you. So please tell me what the dream is. And then they said, look, I... Uh, there's no way for us to know what the dream is. So you tell us what the dream is and we'll tell you the interpretation. So they, has, they had this back and forth. So basically Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, you're all, you're all against me, right? You guys don't know what in the world you're talking about. You're buying yourself time. And if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you. So they were obviously very bothered by this and panic had swept across them because they were all about to be killed by this megalomaniac Nebuchadnezzar. So basically, the, it, it describes how, you know, this was an, it should be added, this was an impossible task in order to say what the dream was, because you can't say something that you don't know. So word got out, and at that time, Daniel was one of the king's advisors, uh, and there was the chief executioner, his name was Arioch, and, uh, and Arioch, uh, he was getting ready to kill everyone, and he seemed to pass by Daniel in the hallway, whatever it is. And Daniel said to Arioch, he said, a, uh, he said, Arioch, uh, please go tell the king that I know what the answer is. I know what the dream is and I know what the interpretation is. So it says that Daniel went and he davened. He went to Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah. Uh, and he prayed Hashem for mercy because if the king was going to kill all the advisors, uh, Daniel was one of the advisors. He would have been killed as well as Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah. They also would have been killed. So basically, uh, he, he davens to Hashem, and Hashem revealed to Daniel what Nebuchadnezzar's dream was. And not only that, he revealed to him the interpretation of what it was. And uh, you could give a whole sheer just on this peric. So I'm not going to jump into what the dream was, but it's a very, very famous Nebua having to do with Islam and the Muslim world and the Christian world and how at the end of days, there's going to be... The, there's going to be the Muslims versus the Christians. Stalin, this is, happens to be very interesting and very relevant to the time that we're living in. Uh, and that's to do with this statue, this huge statue that its feet are going to melt and it's going to turn to chaff and whatever it is. Okay. Has to do with the four kingdoms. So then basically Daniel goes to Nebuchadnezzar and he tells him what his dream was. And he tells him the interpretation of the dream itself, which has to do with Mashiach and the time period that we're living in. Now, after 
this is going to be the most relevant to our conversation over here. After what happens is Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar what the dream is, okay? And he tells him the interpretation of the dream. And this is how King Nebuchadnezzar responds to Daniel. I'm going to read these psukim in English, and this is going to be the topic of our conversation of what the Nefesh Chaim is actually dealing with, okay? The king rewards Daniel. Thereupon, King Nebuchadnezzar prostrated himself and bowed to Daniel and ordered that a meal offering and sweet fragrance be offered to him. I'm going to read them inside. They're going to double back over them. The king addressed Daniel and said, Truly your God must be the God of gods, the master of kings, and the revealer of secrets to enable you to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts. He appointed him governor of the entire province of Babylon and prime minister over all the wise men of Babylon. At Daniel's request, the king put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in charge of the affairs of the province of Babylon. Daniel himself took his post uh, at the king's gate, right? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the, uh, those were the Babylonian names of Hananiah, uh, Zariah, and Mishal. And he put his, he put his cronies, he put his, he put his buddies into power. So look at this, okay? Thereupon, King Nebuchadnezzar prostrated himself and bowed to Daniel. So what do you see Nebuchadnezzar trying to do? Or what do you see him doing? He bowed to Daniel. He's trying to worship Daniel as a god, as an Avodah right? Because no one knew the dream. And yet alone, no one knew the interpretation because they didn't know the dream. So Daniel, he davened Hashem, we know the backstory. And he was sent the dream in a uh, nocturnal vision, right, at night. So then Nebuchadnezzar understood that Daniel was a god. So that's what it says. Thereupon Nebuchadnezzar prostrated himself and bowed to Daniel. He started worshiping him and ordered that a meal offering and sweet fragrance be offered him. So Korban Mincha and this Ketores, this Reach Nichoach, he started offering Korbanos to Daniel. Now there's the king addressed Daniel and said, truly your God must be the God of gods, the master of the kings and the revealer of secrets to have enabled you to reveal this mystery. Now there's a switch. So what happened? Right? First, Nebuchadnezzar is worshiping Daniel. Right? Then in the very next Pasuk 47, right? He says, oh, your Hashem is the, is the Hashem of Hashem's. So what happened? First, again, uh, there's a reason why we're spending time on this. I know it's a very particular point, but first he's worshiping Daniel. He's offering Korbos. And then he says, wait a minute. So is he worshiping Daniel? Is, is, is he serving a Daniel like an Avodazara? And secondly, how is Daniel allowing himself to be bowed to? Right? Because you're not allowed to make yourself into an Avodazara. That's also a problem, right? It's one of the great Isurim, right? It's one of the surim is not only are you not allowed to worship of Odizara, but if someone starts bowing to you, you're not allowed to go along with that and, and agree that you're allowed to be worshipped. So is Daniel worshipping, allowing himself to be worshipped as an Odizara? So the answer is, of course not. <laughs> the answer is, of course not. Daniel was not letting himself to be. So what happened? What's not in the Pesukim over here? Right. So it says, right, that uh, he's 
Nebuchadnezzar started worshiping Daniel. And then Nebuchadnezzar says to Daniel, truly your God must be the God of gods. Why? Because what happens in between that Pasuk, Iker Chaser Menasefer, is that Daniel protested. He said, you can't bow to me. He didn't allow himself to be worshipped. And he said, you know, there's a Rabona Sholom, there's a great God, there's a Hashem, Mikol Elohim, right? So once Daniel stopped himself from being worshipped and stopped turning himself into a deity, so at that point, Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, okay, I'm going to praise your God, the God of gods, right? So Daniel, again, Daniel didn't let himself be turned into a Vodazara. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts, and he appointed him governor of the entire providence, right? So why did Nebuchadnezzar give Daniel gifts? Right? This is also connected, right? Because first, Nebuchadnezzar started worshiping Daniel. Then, although the Sukkim don't say this, the outside story is, is that Daniel said, hey, you can't worship me. So Nebuchadnezzar started worshiping Hashem. He started praising Hashem. But then what happens is, is that Nebuchadnezzar still wanted to reward Daniel. So he wasn't going to worship him because Daniel didn't allow himself to be worshipped. So what happens is, is Nebuchadnezzar pays him out. He gives him gifts and he promotes him to be one of the top advisors. Right? So in this back and forth of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, as we're going to see, the Nefesh Chaim is going to explain, again, I preempted a little bit by learning this, but he's going to explain what is really this back and forth, what's really what's really going on. And this is going to set help set the context for the rest of the Sefer, what Rav Gedalia Kenig is going to say. Uh, again, Sefer Daniel happens to be amazing. Uh, we could give many, many shirim on Sefer Daniel. Uh, him and Yaakov Avinu had a lot in common because they both wanted to reveal the end of days. They both wanted to reveal the Kates, and it says that it was was actually hidden from them. Uh, Daniel actually, at one point, Sefer Daniel actually does reveal the end of days, but uh, parenthetically happens to be a Shaila, uh, whether Daniel himself understood the interpretation of his, his nevuah. Uh, it also happens to be interesting that there were many, many tzaddikim who predicted the end of days, including the Malbim, Rashi, the Rambam, the, the Rambam maybe gave a date also. I once asked Rav Nelson Sherman about this question, uh, the head of Art Scroll, as I was giving Sherman say for Daniel, I asked him whatever the answer was. But a uh, Rav Sad Yagon gave uh, what he thought would be the end. They gave actual dates. Uh, okay, conversation, not for our time. Now we're talking about the Indian of a tzaddik and discussions to tzaddik. Okay, now let's let's go forward. Tosif b'sefer nefesh achayim shar gimel perik tes v'zelishano. This is what the Nefesh Chaim writes in Shar Gimel, the third gate, the ninth parak, ninth chapter. Now, from now on, from here on, we're going to be quoting. These are full pieces taken in full from the Nefesh Chaim. So we're going to read through. It's a little bit lengthy. But I ask everyone to hang in there. And this is what it says that uh, you should know on that day and you should return your hearts that Hashem is Elohim. Hashem is God. This means that you should not uh, connect yourself and give power 
to any avoda. That you shouldn't ascribe any power to any force in the world or to anything in heaven or anything on earth. It means you shouldn't say this rock has independent power over me. This sun has independent power. Rather, you need to have the makavin, you have to have intent into your mind of the shame havaya, the shame of yudkevavke. That this shame, this shame of havaya, is the source. And incorporates and includes all the kohos that all kohos come from the source of existence, the source of Hashem's name, this shame of Havaya. So if I say uh, this thing has independent power separate from Hashem, this sun, this whatever it might be, uh, that is called Avodazara because I'm saying it has independent power. Rather, you have to know Havaya that there's a source to the sun. That the sun is rooted in the shame havaya, that there is, it only has koach from that place. Right? And even to connect or give power that you should connect your avoda. That you say that this person has ruach kodesh or a navi, gamza nikra avodas kochavim umazolos mamish. So to say, that I'm going to connect to this person because he's a Navi, that's considered a vote, uh, that's considered a vote zone. And again, this is all going to get clear as we learn through the sugya of what we're doing now. To say this person or this tzaddik or this navi or this person is Uruch Kodesh, I'm going to connect to him because he's a powerful man. So that's considered a vote zone. It's a vodas kochavim umazolos mamesh. Okay. Like we see, now we're back to Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, where this sugya takes place. Just like we find by Nebuchadnezzar, who bowed to Daniel. Wasn't only because he saw him as a god. Okay, that for sure, if you see him as a god, that for sure is a problem. Right, so he, so Nebuchadnezzar didn't exactly see Daniel like a god, but he saw that he had an independent power of Ruach HaKodesh, of this divine inspiration. And that, that's what he was bound to. Kamosh Kasov, like it says in Daniel, again, I read these psukim in English because they're written in Aramaic. Ba'adin Malka Nebuchadnezzar Napal al Right? So when the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he fell on his face and he bowed to Daniel, and then he brought him mincha, a korban mincha, and nechochen, good smelling fragrances. Min kashut di hu Right? And then he went to praise Hashem. Right? That's in the next passage that was saying. Went to praise Hashem and say, and say, oh, the God of gods. Right, the God of gods who reveals the secrets to you, meaning to say Hashem, who revealed the secrets 
בדניאל, ושם, ועד אחרין על קדמי דניאל, ודאי רוח אלינים קדישן בי. Right? And as it says over there, that, uh, that he was, that, again, as we were just saying, right, that he was trying to serve, that Nebuchadnezzar was trying to bow to the Ruach HaKadosh, that, to the Ruach HaKadosh that was in Daniel. Again, these are very subtle points, and they're going to come clear as we talk around them. Uh, the Razal Amru, and the Gemara in Sanhedrin brings, Sadi Gimel Amar Aleph, but the, time, the reason why Daniel wasn't there at the time when they were commanded to bow to the Tzalem, right, that uh, right? So later on in Sefer Daniel, that there was a decree that everyone had to bow to this big of Odezara, and Daniel didn't want to go because he thought that Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Daniel didn't want to go because he thought that people would start worshiping him himself. Daniel thought that people would start worshiping him personally as in Vodazari. So he didn't want to show because Daniel's wisdom had spread throughout the kingdom and everyone knew who he was. Right? And Nebuchadnezzar also, the Gemara says, didn't want Daniel to go because he didn't want people to say that Daniel was in Vodazara because Daniel had already set the record straight in the Pesukim that we learned, right, that he was in Vodazara. Right? The Ayan, again, that was all in the back and forth that we explained that he didn't want to be worshipped as in Vodazara. So therefore, he set the record straight on Nebuchadnezzar in order that people shouldn't worship him. The Ayin Zohar Chadash Rus, Simon Ayin Bez, again, this continued in Ephesus Chayim, Bereshis Rabba Parshas Lamad Vav, Ubitan Chuma Resh Parshas Vaichi, Vichi Ata Motza Bidaniel, Maxi, Baadin Malka Nebuchadnezzar, Minchan Rokan Amr, Venachse Lay, Avadaniel Lo Kibel. Right, so it brings over there in the Zohar, again, quoting from the Ephesus Chayim, that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to bring Korban Mincha in order to worship Daniel. But Daniel lo lo kibel. He didn't want to. Lama shekashem shenefrayim avodas avodas kochavim mazolos. Just like you you your Hashem pays out, meaning to say it's usher to worship avodazara mazolos and the stars in mazolos. Kach nefrayim avodas kochavim mazolos atzma. So too the mazolos themselves, Hashem meets them out with them. Meaning to say, like we were saying before. Daniel didn't accept the worship of Nebuchadnezzar because you're not allowed to make yourself into an Avodazar either. Even if you're not actively doing it and then and Nebuchadnezzar is just bowing, you're not allowed to turn your you're not allowed, you're not a, allowed to allow yourself to be worshipped. Even though Daniel wasn't stating I'm an Avodazara, he understood that Nebuchadnezzar's intent was to serve him as an Avodazar. <laughs> And because you're not allowed to turn yourself into an Avodazara, is the same reason why Yaakov Avinu didn't want to allow himself to be buried in Mitzrayim. Right? Because they thought that people would worship his caver. <laughs> right? So you're not allowed to worship a caver. That's Avodazara. That's Avodazara. And this is, right? So if you go to Uman or you go to any company, you're worshiping the caver, you're not allowed to worship a caver. That's Avodazara. Right? This is what Chazal called the Vodas Kochavim Mazalos. 
even though it was only to the divine aspect within that thing. But by saying that this thing has the independent power, by saying this thing has koach in its own right, that's called the Vildazora, and that's something you're not allowed to do. The yesh lefarish al and then you could explain this pasuk of you're not allowed to have any idols in front of me. That you can't have intent to serve any individual power. Even if it's like, even if that power is bechinas panai, means Hashem says it's like my face. Even that you can't worship. Even to serve the Ruach HaKodesh when an individual. Or a certain aspect of holiness you're not allowed to worship. Within something that's Elyon She'ab Elyonim. Ke'inyan Maimram Zal, like the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah brings. Al lo ta'asu ot iti. Shouldn't make an avodazara out of me. Afilu demus shamshai. Even an image of the things that serve me, like Right, you shouldn't even make an image of the sun. Like, or you shouldn't make an image of the angels and the srof and the chayas kodesh because even if it's right, the angels get their source from Hashem. So you're going to serve angels. That's going to be avodazara, even though you're doing it only for the divinity shabbat. Right, saying that this thing has separate power. Right, even if you understand that it's connected to me. That's considered a Vodazar. Right? It's like the Rambam writes in the beginning of the Hilchas of Vodazar that they say, oh, uh, the, sun, the Hashem, okay, that's, we get there's Hashem, the Hashem gives power to the sun, right? Oh, so the sun's easier. I'm going to worship the sun, right? And okay, the sun's far away. Now give it to the rays. The rays, they come out. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be, okay, they're easier. So I'll worship the rays. I, but it's going to remind me of Hashem, right? But no, you're saying this thing has koach in its own right, and that you're not allowed to. The im ki ikar has haras hakasav al kol avodas kochavim umazalas hanal, right? And im, uh, and the warning the pasuk warns us: Hainu arba avodas dafka, specifically four avodas. Amnam ata shebavodas atfila beishtabus kavanas aleiv he bemakom avodas korva. We know that prayer is in place of the korbanos. So, of course, you need an extra warning on that, not to daven to things. And this is what the Pasuk says. That when you slaughter, give a korban to Hashem, only it double backs over. Only to Hashem. You can't now start worshiping that part within the korban. Right? Rather, you have to have in mind the shame havaya, the shame etzem of Hashem levad. So now it stops quoting from that of Shechem. End, end quotes over here. So just the chazer for a moment over here. What he's saying in the end over here that even ex- he's, that it seems that especially when it comes to tefillah, so thinking something has independent power and worship that definitely not allowed, and even being makasha, you're even putting your tefillahs 
on something, right? There's an extra warning in the Torah that you can't dive in to anything else either. Because if you dive into something else, that itself is a problem. So therefore, the, uh, the Torah warns us that when you give a korban to Hashem, right? So uh, when you give a korban to Hashem, only to Hashem, <laughs> right? Right? Only Tashem means the extra warning of the Torah that don't fall into this trap of davening to other things also. Right? So again, this seems all to be a stira, a contradiction. What Rabbi Nachman says, that you have to be makashi yourself to a tzaddik that when you go to the cave of a tzaddik, right, it seems to be, it smells funny, almost. Right? Because here you're saying that you think something has independent power from Hashem, so that's considered Vodazara, right? And it seems even a Prat, Ruach, a Kodesh, and another, even something that looks divine, you're not allowed to. So what's with all this stuff? What's with all the, what's with all the stuff that people are doing? Right? So this really, really strengthens the cash. We're going to come to answers to this. Uh, we're going to read another two-letter forward, and then we're going to, two paragraphs forward, and then we're going to end for today as we continue to delve into this answer. But the stage is set. Stage is set, everyone. Now, Rav Gedalia Kenig picks up again and speaks, starts speaking. According to your words, according to what you asked, according to these words, we're going to explain. It seems that these contradict the words of Rabbi Nizal. It seems like they contradict the words of Rabbeinu Zal, that in all his farm, he talks about the great obligation to be mekasher, to bind yourself, and to connect to true tzaddikim. And even the obligation of his to connect yourself to the true tzaddikim, not only the hiskashas in general, but in specifically at the time when you dive it to be bakash yourself warm to someone. Like the second Torah in Lukutim Maran explains over there. Right? Like it says over there in Lesson Tess. These are all amazing Torahs. Can I learn inside? And like Rabbi Nachman explains in Sichas Aran, Simon Reish Tzadi Vov, Shurabenu Hizir Lanashav Sheomru Kodim Tfila, that Rabbeinu warned his students to say before Tfila, Hareini Mikasher Atzmi Lechol Hatzadikim Shadreinu, that I'm connecting myself to all the Tzadikim in the generation, like we had started with in the beginning of this year. Heavy words, even learning this again, like fired up, learning this. It's like amazing. It's like Aish, Aish on the soul. Mamish ish, fire, fire on the shamas. But the truth is, this is not a question at all. This question is higher than high, it's higher than the heavens. So too, the words of Rabbi Nachman, just like these things are so high from east to west, so too the words of Rabbi Nachman are so vastly different than the words of the Nefesh Achayim. They don't even come close to touching each other, even in an iota. 
And there's chas for shalom, no contradiction between the, nefesh, the world of the Nefesh Chaim and the world of Rebbe Nachman, the world of the Baal Shem Tov, and the world of the Vilna Gon. It's not even a question, it's not a break, it's not a weakness, it's not, it's not, it's not in a wonderment. Adaraba, MS, the opposite is true, they're both true. And their words illuminate like the sun. They're both true. And they illuminate our eyes and our minds to the light of truth. To teach us the true foundations of the Ikrea Muna in Yiddishkeit. And what? Rabbeinu is not revealed. What one has, the other one doesn't have. What one, Nefesh Chaim, the world of the Vilna Gon, the world of Rav Chaim Velazhin is revealing, is not what the world of Rabbi Nachman is revealing. Each one complements each other. And there's Mamesh Yichud and Shemayim between these two worlds. Umar Amarchada, Umar Anarchana Velopli. They both say, coming to speak about different, completely, totally different things, and they're not arguing. Because he's the, the Nefesh Chaim is speak is telling us how to guard in the Azharas of losing out from the Avodas of Tfilah. Because as we're going to see, Rav Chaim Velazhin, he's teaching us how you're going to mess up your tefillah and how you're makalkel tefillah and how when you do a certain type of tefillah, that's called the Vodazara. And Rabbeinu is telling us how to get our tefillahs answered, how to elevate tefillah and how to lift tefillah up to the highest place as we're going to be explaining further as we're going we're gonna to see in next week's year. Uh, we're going to go further into depth about how Rechaim Velazhin is teaching us what's considered Vodazara and what's not. And Rabbi Nachman is teaching us how to be Makasha ourselves and how to get our tefillahs answered. And again, we're going to delve in specifically, more specific into these, into how Rav Gedalia Kenig Zal deals with what we just learned here. And they, uh, it's really, really exciting. Really, really exciting as we continue to plummet the depths of these subtleties, subtleties, major, major points with subtleties of Hiskashis to Tzadikim. I hope everyone enjoyed. I know today's shir was a little bit more technical uh, because we're going through this, but this is so fundamental and so important and so geschmack. Also, it's not a show geschmack. And uh, we'll continue weiter the next year. Everyone have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world. Hey, have a good one.